Nice snap. Option, Elliott. Touchdown. When you come to the Big D. Fakes to Elliott and they go deep downfield and getting open and making the catch at the 25-yard line and taking it all the way into the end zone is Tavon Austin. Touchdown, Cowboys. You get beat down. The pass is caught. Cooper off to the races for the touchdown. This is the Big D Beatdown. Hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's Team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me today is Ken Cunningham, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut, and a lifelong Cowboy fan, and we are the Big D Beatdown. And we are brought to you today by pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so while you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on our football roundtable. We discuss some of the all-time greats on our show wide right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite NFL teams such as the Giants, Eagles, Browns, Broncos, Chiefs, Steelers, and of course your Dallas Cowboys. Make Pigskin Nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts. Remember guys, Pigskin Nut is the football news that you've been missing. All right, Ken Cunningham, this is uh this is part 2 of our bi-week uh our bi-week episode breaking down this roster and kind of going back to our preseason and, and revisiting, you know, just what we, uh, the expectations we had for some of these guys and, and, and who's lived up to them, who's fallen short of them, who've exceeded them, you know, uh, and me and coach Ty took care of the offensive side of the ball late last week. Uh, in this show, we're, we're going to talk about those defensive players and, uh, you know, let, let, let's start with just the overall feel for how this defense is doing. You know, um, I, I have to say, you know, I think we've been fairly unimpressed with this group uh, as a unit for the most part. Um, it seemed like there's been times they've looked lost out there or they looked like they haven't been, you know, quite up to speed. Uh, it, it seems like we've saw, seen a lot of bend but not break early on in the season where, you know, gosh, we're giving up tons of yards, but hey, they're not scoring points off of it. Um, but very little takeaways, you know, the pressure wasn't coming hardly. Uh, you know, if, if Quinn wouldn't be here, heck, I, we, we'd be flat out awful as far as getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, overall, you know, even though the Cowboys, hey, we, we did come out with a our strongest effort of the season against Philadelphia in this last game before the bye. You know, let's talk to me about how you feel this defense has played as a unit through the first seven games of the season. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. We, we were expecting a lot out of this defense because, you know, it was a young defense that played really well down the stretch last season and a defense that was bringing back, you know, a lot a lot of the same players they had last year and added a couple more pieces. But, you know, so far to the bye week, you know, they're kind of like, you know, they hadn't been bad, but they haven't, they didn't really take that next step. You know, they're ninth against the pass, 15th against the run, which, you know, it's, you know, the run stuff's not great. Middle of the pack, the pass stuff a little better, but, you know, we were kind of expecting a little bit more. And you mentioned, you know, the pressure on the quarterback, you know, Robert Quinn has, I believe six sacks this year and, you know, that puts him like top 10 in the league, but they're still 17th in the league, you know, when it when it comes down to sacks. So like you said, without him, I mean, they've been really bad at, at getting after the quarterback. And, you know, luckily, like you mentioned, you know, we kind of saw a little bit of, you know, a better effort from the defense and some of the things we were kind of looking for. We just saw some of those things against the Eagles in the last game. And you hope that they can kind of, you know, build off that and really, you know, really improve the second half of this season but you know so far it's really been you know not bad not great just kind of a you know middle of the pack meh you know just average average defense yeah you know and 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 we all talked about it on the the Philadelphia wrap-up about how it looked like um Chris Richard kind of got a little bit more 
uh, leeway through the the week of preparation and what he wanted to do on the defensive side of the ball because we saw a lot more of Sean Lee, the strong side linebacker, walked down to the line of scrimmage, which is a staple of a hybrid front seven, which is what you know Seattle did with Chris Richard. It's what guys like Gus Bradley and 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 um, you know Quinn over at uh, Dan Quinn over at Atlanta right now. It's it's what they ran there when when Chris Richard was just a position coach in Seattle and and he kind of took it over and and you know before getting here to Dallas, it, you know that's the front that he's used to you know running with this style of coverage you know that that he likes to play, and you know we we saw it a little more. It's certainly not the the typical four three uh line you know at least initial lineup that you see and and what i mean by that is you know how they're aligned pre-snap where you know it's it's not your typical you know your your wide nine your your one tech your three tech you know your your three linebackers shaded properly it's 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 a little more complex with that there's more movement guys don't have set gaps necessarily that they line up time and time again you know that there's a lot of movement in your front four the run the linebacker comes down a little bit uh, more often than not, actually. So it, it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I we saw some more of that. And you wonder if, if you know, we and, and we talked about it after the New York Jets game, too, me and Coach Ty did. If it was time for Jason Garrett to sit down and say, okay, Kellen Moore, it can't be a marriage of your and my offense anymore. Let's go with what you're doing, and I'm going to trust you. And by the way, Chris Richard, it can't be necessarily a marriage of what you and Rob have been doing like like we've been doing. We're going to trust you and we're going to go with you. Hopefully, we see a little bit more for that. Now, having said that, we don't necessarily have the um, all the personnel you would need. I mean, Sean Lee hardly fits that walk-down linebacker. We don't have a linebacker that fits that uh on our offense or on our, on our defense. If we did, maybe Jalen Smith could do it, but I certainly don't want to take him out of his role uh, where I think he fits best. So, um, I mean, it, it's not going to be necessarily exactly what they did in Seattle, but we may see some more of it, and that can cause some issues for teams preparing for us. And we're going to go ahead and get right in it. And, you know, um, let's start with uh, the defensive line. Let's, let's start with, you know... The guys that, you know, especially one guy that I think has not only lived up to expectations, but he's exceeded them. You know, Coach Ty and I talked about Lyle Collins. He just, he is absolutely, you know, overachieved beyond, you know, anything imaginable from what we'd seen from Lyle. Lyle's always had the talent. He's just never been consistent enough, never uh, stayed clean enough with his technique. But my goodness, he is just jumped uh, you know completely forward this year in his play uh and you know I got to say this much Robert Quinn has done the same thing and you mentioned it Robert Quinn six sacks to this point uh, I think is the mark he he was everything we could have wanted and more across from DeMarcus Lawrence uh you know to the point where to be honest with you right now he's on pace not just for a 10 sack season but possibly even a 15 sack season. You know talk about what Robert Quinn has meant to this team having missed the first two games of the year. Yeah, ex- exactly. And that's the thing. He has six sacks. He's on pace for, you know, to have a, you know, well over a double dick sa- uh, you know, sack season. And like you said, he was suspended the first two games and he's just he's just brought so much juice. I mean, you watch that guy explode off the ball, and you just you just see the energy. And he's honestly, he's playing like a guy that wants to get paid. You know, he he wants he wants one more contract before he's said and done. You know, it's funny because when when Dallas first you know Frost brought him over via the trade, you know, everybody the kind of the talk was you know he's a good complement to you know the tank. You know, we're not sure what's going to happen with Randy Gregory if Randy Gregory you know can't play. This is a guy that we can definitely slide into the role and mix in. You know, people forgot to mention that he was going to be leading this team in sacks and looking like, you know, one of the one of the best pass rushers, you know, in, in the league still. You know, we were expecting, you know, we would have been happy with, you know, what, an eight-sack season this year? Now, not even at the halfway point, only five games into his season, he's at six. Uh, I mean, you can't say enough about it, and he's really carried that, you know, up to this point. He really has. He's carried that, you know, the pass rush for the, for the Cowboys. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's been everything that we could have wanted and more. 
across from Lawrence. And you say that he's kind of carried our pass rush, and that's going to take me into Tank because the truth is, you know, Tank Lawrence is, and, and you know, we don't know. You know, we can listen to all the the chatter about, oh, you know, his shoulder was good to go. That that labrum issue, he was he was ready to start the season. I mean, this is a guy that didn't have a preseason. So, you know, we can we can hear all that talk, but you'll never know if it's true. These players will never flat out tell you, well, I'm not quite where I needed to be. And yes, I waited to have this shoulder surgery until the contract was signed. You know, but, you know, it, it just, that's what frustrates me is, you know, is, is we, we really don't know from Tank. Is it a situation with your health? Is it a situation where you just weren't playing your best football? Finally, against Philadelphia, we saw a guy that looked like the best player on this defense where he was not just getting after the quarterback, but he was also, you know, making plays in the run. And and we finally started to see it. I'm disappointed that I hadn't seen it more because, you know, we knew we were going to need a heck of an effort against the New Orleans Saints. And the defense did have a, gr- a, a very good effort. But, you know, the pass rush wasn't necessarily great. Same goes against, you know, Green Bay. We knew what kind of effort we were. And against teams like Miami, like Washington, like the New York Giants and the New York Jets, those were inferior defenses. You know, or I'm sorry, offensive lines. I'm getting sidetracked. Offensive lines. Those were ones where we should have been, you know, dominating. And it seemed like the only one that was stepping up uh, once he got back was Robert Quinn. And that's that's where you kind of look to Tank Lawrence. And yes, maybe it took, you know, Doug Peterson running his mouth to get Tank fired up. But, you know, bottom line is, is the Tank we saw in Philly is the one we need to see moving forward. Otherwise, you know, uh, you know, we, we it, it's supposed to be tank leading this team in sacks, hopefully getting somewhere near that 16 sack season that gets you one per game. And then a Robert Quinn trying to break that double digit barrier right now. You know, it's it's vice versa. And and, you know, that's not what it was supposed to be, because somebody's making a heck of a lot more money than the other one is right now. You know, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna swing it back over to you now. Let's let's talk about Malik Collins, because this is a guy you and I both you know we 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 get our hopes up so much with what we see from him in preseason, and then we just don't get a lot of um don't get a lot of you know of the same showing in the regular season. You know, we see a guy that's so disruptive uh, throughout practice, but you know. But where is it during the game? And and he's had more flashes, I think, this year than we've seen from him in his career. But they're still, they're few and far between. You know, how, how do you feel like Malik Collins has played to this point? And does somebody need to remind him that he's in the same boat as Robert Quinn when it comes to a contract? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's another guy that, you know, if you if you take away this this last Eagles game, we're probably being pretty darn critical of of Malik Collins. But you know, he did show up and had a pretty darn good game against the Eagles. But you know, like you said, I mean, this is a guy. He was both of our breakout. You know, this year we talked about you know him being in the contract year, but he just you know he was finally healthy, finally had that full off season, and he was just he just brought the juice all camp, and we just haven't really seen we just haven't really seen it from him. I mean, he's just not. He's not, you know, just clogging that hole up like like I thought he would. Now, I don't know if, you know, maybe it's, you know, the injury to Antoine Woods, you know, him being out a few games, if that affected him. I'm not really sure, you know, what's been the holdup. But he does look like a guy who over the last couple of weeks has started to pick it up a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's really, it, ha- it happens to a lot of guys, offense and defense. I know you guys already talked about the offense, but like even a guy like Zeke, you know, it, it's taken him a few weeks to get going. You know, Tank, we just talked about him. You know, he looked like a guy who might have been out of shape the first few weeks. You know, it takes a few weeks for the guys to get going, and I'm starting to see that with a guy like Malik Collins, and I'm really hoping that, you know, the second half of this season, we see a lot more like we saw against that Eagles game, and he can be that, still be that breakout player that, you know, both you and I both predicted. Absolutely. You know, that's something that we need is somebody to help us out on the pass rush um, on the interior, you know, and, and, and Malik Collins is more than that. This is a guy that can affect the run as well uh, with his ability to get penetration. Um, 
you know, but but we need uh, uh, if there's one player I could point at and say, Bud, we really need you to to step it up. It would be Malik Collins because not only can he you know affect the run in that from that three tech, but when we slide him to the nose on on pass uh, downs. Obviously, now we we just made you know we recently made a trade for Michael Bennett, which we'll get into a little bit next time. But you know if he's going to be uh, you know one of those two interior players, Malik Collins should be the other. You know, as more of the nose, and it's like guys, you know, not everybody can get double teamed. I mean, Robert Quinn and Tank Lawrence, these are two guys that are going to get a lot of the attention. You know, Malik Collins, you're going to see some one-on-one matchups. We need you to whip them on passing downs. We're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about this defense. Uh, Antoine Woods, some of the guys that that, that come, come in as part of the rotation. We'll talk about how we feel about them, and then we'll move forward to linebackers. We'll do all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined by Ken Cunningham today. And Ken, we're talking, you know, that the Cowboys defense uh, and, and you know, preseason expectations. And, and we're kind of not exactly at the midway point, but, you know, we're on our bye for week eight. And uh, just talking about uh, who's, who's, you know, who's impressed us, who's disappointed us, who's right what we thought they would be. Um, and and let's stick with this defensive line where we've been talking. Let's talk about Antoine Woods. Now, this is a guy that, you know, what he does isn't always going to show up on a stat sheet. Um, if, if it does, it's likely going to show up on the linebackers' numbers behind him. And, you know, and obviously Woods has dealt with some injuries this year. Uh, but my thing is this, is, you know, last year I remember Antoine Woods occasionally getting that penetration that that stirred everything up you know that 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 not only it 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 stirred things up in the backfield but it also put the offensive lineman at a disadvantage for the one who's you know trying to get up to the linebacker to do his job as well so you know how do you feel like Antoine Woods has done you know uh does it seem like you know he's as active as he was a year ago well, you know, he's a tough guy to grade because if I believe he got hurt in the Redskins game and that was that was week two and he really didn't seem like he was fully healthy and, until last week. So, I mean, that's a big gap with not a lot of playing time that we haven't, you know, haven't really seen much from him or, you know, or if we even knew that he was 100 percent. But, you know, you you hit it on, you know, how important his role is because he's that typical big body hole clogger you know he's that guy that you want to just you know you want the offensive line to get no movement on him you're not worried about him necessarily penetrating the backfield and blowing things up in the backfield but you want him to suck up that guard and suck up that center so that your two linebackers can fly around and make plays and you know maybe you know a little early on you know he he wasn't really showing that as much but like I said it's really tough because you know the the tape out on him right now is is a little limited because because of the injury, but he is you know he is he's a big piece that a lot of people you know you don't really see because it helps out the linebackers. It's it's helping out you know the more you have to worry about the interior, you're freeing up things on the outside because you know right now you mentioned you know how much Quinn and Lawrence are getting double teamed. I mean both those guys are in the top. I don't want to say uh, top five, but at least the top ten at double team rate. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, these D tackles, I mean, they, <laughs> you're getting a lot of one-on-one matchups and you, that's, that's really where you need to thrive. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and let's get into some of the, 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 the rotational players, the guys that come off the bench, uh, and, and play a role, you know, I, I'll say this much. It was disappointing when Tyrone Crawford, uh, went down and, and for those of y'all I, I, that, that, that listen to our show and know that I was a big fan of, of letting Tyrone Crawford go, you know, it was not that I didn't think that the guy could play a meaningful role for us, but, you know, it, it was a cap situation. It was a numbers situation. More importantly, his skill set was one that I thought that we had other players that could step into it and maybe not do the same job, but at least do a, a satisfactory job. 
Um, unfortunately for Crawford, they're just there. I don't know if he was ever healthy and uh, he just, uh, you know, there just wasn't anything, you know, to be thrilled about with his play bef- before they finally decided to put him on IR and he decided to have the surgery. Um, Kerry Hyder has, I think, been the most active of our guys off the bench. Uh, he's he's done some things off the edge. He's hadn't played a ton on the interior. We know he's capable of doing that. But bottom line is he's been a guy that has showed up a couple of times a game, it seems like. And, you know, it, it, that's the thing. If you could get that from each one of your rotational players, then it just it it makes this defense that much more tougher to play against. Because, you know, because this is what's coming from the guys that your offensive line should be thrilled to see. You know, you know you're going to give up pressures to Quinn. You know that you should be giving up pressure to Demarcus Lawrence. You know, and and when it's Kerry Hyder in there doing it, it's just an added bonus. Um, You know, I... I, I I I thought Covington played well in Antoine Woods' stead uh, stead as well. Not exactly anything spectacular, but you know he he certainly you know did the job. Um, but you know those th- those guys you know those are vets. I want to ask you this: uh, uh, Hill, Armstrong, Jackson. You know these are all guys that uh, that have been part of, uh, you know, important parts of our draft classes the last two years. Tristan Hill, obviously, a second-round pick. Joe Jackson, a fifth-rounder. You know, and, and and then, you know, obviously, Durant Armstrong, a, a former fourth-rounder. I, I, you know, here's my problem with these guys right now. We were excited for them in training camp because we saw flashes. The problem is in, in practices, you can't finish. You don't tackle. You don't hit the quarterback. Therefore, I mean, you don't really get an idea of whether that guy would have finished the play. That seems to be the problem here in the season is these guys aren't finishing the play. They're not, you know, that yes, Tristan Hill does occasionally, you know, blow into the backfield. But, man, I need you to either make the play or force the play back to the person who's benefiting from the fact that you're splitting a double team or that you're getting up the field like that. You know, and we just haven't necessarily seen a ton of it. You know, talk about some of these young guys and, and you know, which one's the one I think you're most disappointed in and which one you think, you know, has showed the most to this point in the season. Yeah, well, see, here's my thing. Uh, you know, a guy like Joe Jackson, yeah, we we saw some flashes from him in training camp preseason, but he was a guy that, you know, he was more of a building piece for the future. And a guy we we weren't really expecting to do much this year because we you know we kind of talked about the depth we had at the position. Dorrance Armstrong, he's not a rookie. He's a guy that we saw flashes from last year. We saw flashes in training camp. So I would say I'm a little disappointed in him because I haven't really seen it in the games yet. And he's at that point where you know he could be making some valuable snaps, especially when it's taken a few weeks for Demarcus Lawrence to really get his legs under him. You know he's been. He's been taking a lot of time off the field, and that was, you know, the time for some of these guys like Joe Jackson, Dorrance Armstrong to really thrive and get your opportunity. But Tristan Hill, he's the guy that I have to say I'm the most disappointed in because, you know, it wasn't a first-round pick, but it was a premier pick, and it was where it was a position where Dallas was the weakest at, and you know, it was still it was still a high pick, and it was a guy that you know Marinelli talked very highly of, a guy that you know we expected. You know, Marinelli will get will get the most out of this guy, and you know we just haven't seen it. And to be honest, we really haven't seen it in training camp. We really didn't see it in preseason. You know, a couple flashes in preseason, and so far in the games, we just we just haven't seen it. And I'm confident he can get it together. You know, this it's a big leap to go from from college to the pros for some of these positions. And you know, I'm confident he'll, he'll get it together, and Rob will get this guy right. But I'm I'm disappointed because I just I've expected to see a, a little more out of him, and truthfully, he's he's been a liability a little bit when he's been out there. And, and you know that the the funny thing is is you know Tristan Hill was he was drafted as a project player, but guys, th- there's different versions of a project when you bring him in. When you bring a quarterback in who's a project, you don't even want that guy touching the football field. It doesn't, you know, not unless he has got just an extreme, you know, the, the one exception would be a guy that's an extremely good runner, 
you know, that you could get in and you could maybe come up with a certain package that uh, that really benefits his style of play. You know, I I, I know Lamar Jackson was no he was going to be the starter in Baltimore, but think back to that first uh, few games of last season when Joe Flacco was still the starter and they were bringing him in on goal line situations and it was like, yes, you know, that's that's an opportunity to get him some live looks. But but other that that's the thing. That's the kind of role I want to see Tristan Hill in. Find one thing, one particular thing that you do feel confident he can do on a regular basis. Whether it's it's you know on rundowns in the base package, whether it's as a pass rusher on, on in the nickel, you know, find something and let him do it because this guy is talented. He's got a lot of physical gifts. You know, we're not it's not like we haven't had players similar to this before. For those of y'all that remember, David Irving was a guy that was never quite good with his technique, tended to play too high at times. But the physical gifts were so good that you had to find areas to put him in where he fit best. That's something I would love to see with Tristan Hill. Now, is he as talented as David Irving? David Irving was a freak athlete for his size. But but Tristan Hill has got some very, very gifted feet and explosion off the snap. And uh, there's just got to be a role that you can find for him to build him some confidence, to let him know, okay, I know I'm moving in the right direction. That way he can continue to build his game. And I'm just, I'm not seeing it. And that's a little bit frustrating for me. You know, Durant Armstrong, Joe Jackson, these are guys, you know, it's funny, you, 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 fight, you fight like heck because you want to keep them at, uh, when, when you get down to cutdowns on training camp rosters. And then you get into the season and you're like, okay, guys, prove to me why we wanted to keep you. Because right now I can't say that Durance Armstrong or Joe Jackson, either one of them is necessarily proven to me why they should have been kept and why a guy like Weiss shouldn't have been or why a guy like Taco wasn't given an opportunity. You know, I get Taco had other issues, but still, while he's on this roster, you may as well have him playing. We didn't even get a chance to trade him because he didn't have any trade value. First two weeks of the season, he could have been building trade value based on what Durant Armstrong and Joe Jackson were giving us. You know, so I that's just that that's been a little bit of a frustrating point for me. And I know they're young players and they're still growing, but you know, that there's got to be there's got to be certain roles for some of these rotational players that if fine, if you can't get something out of them once every three series like you'd want a rotational player to do, then find a role. Base package or nickel, it doesn't matter. Just find a role, you know, a package that that they're good in. A particular alignment that suits them that you pull out every now and again. Do something. Uh, And let's move over to the linebackers now. And I'm going to throw this one to you, sir, because, uh, you know, we've all taken turns, you know, pointing out that, that, you know, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh just have not looked the same. I think a part of that has been the play in front of them. I think another part of it has has had to do with maybe some of the scheme stuff. Uh, but the bottom line is this. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, when they're playing at 100% and when they're playing good football, they are flying around the field. I haven't seen either one of these guys fly very much. These guys are are are. are punishing ball carriers or receivers. I haven't seen them punish very many people. Jalen Smith did in the Philly game, you know, caused a turnover, got this game, got that game started on the right foot for the Dallas Cowboys. We haven't seen enough of it. Jalen Smith's had a sack or two. Haven't seen a ton from uh, either one of them necessarily in coverage, which, you know, is something that both are capable of doing well. You know, what are you seeing from these two? And, and do you agree with me that I think both of them – have definitely been a, uh, I wouldn't say a disappointment, but have underachieved to this point in the season. Yeah, I mean they they definitely have, and like you said, you know they're not they're not they're not just flying around like like we saw them do last year. You know, like the the Jalen Smith, Alvin Kamara meet at the one yard line type play that we you know we kind of saw last year, and you know they're not they're missing tackles, they're not taking necessarily the best angles. But I really think you nailed it with the play up front, and I don't think that that we can really stress enough, you know, how much that that really that really hurts these linebackers. And you know, it's not necessarily to blame the D tackles. It's you know, there's really two types of two types of line. Not I don't want to say two types of linebackers, but you know, 
Sean Lee in his prime, he was a guy that he could navigate through the trash. You know, he's a guy that could get in there and no matter what was happening, kind of up front, he could read that ball carrier and get a hand on a guy and trip him up. And Jalen Smith and and Leighton Leighton Van Der Esch, they're they're more guys that you know they kind of they kind of rather be open. They rather see it and explode explode the hole, explode the gap, and make the play. And you know, there's been a lot of trash, quote unquote, you know, going on inside there because of the poor line play, and they're just not navigating that great through it. They're just not seeing the field as well as they could. And I don't want to say as well as they did last year, because I think the big thing was last year they were kind of being able to free flow a lot more. And, you know, going back to that Eagles game where, you know, it looked like, you know, everything was, you know, starting to get a little better. Now, Leighton did get hurt, but, you know, he looked looked good early and Jalen looked really good, you know. Malik Collins played his best game. Antoine Woods looked healthy. And, you know, Jalen Smith was getting back to what he does best. And that's just that's just flying right to the spot and making the play. Absolutely. And and that that's that's, you know, you bring up the uh, the the New Orleans game, meet at the one yard line with Alvin Kamara. That's what I want to see. You know, the sniffing out and 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 we've seen it on a, a few occasions. We've seen Leighton Van Der Esch knife into the backfield once or twice and make a play, sniff out a screen. We've seen Jalen Smith, you know, like I say, the big hit on Goddard. We we've seen it a few times. But we just haven't seen it enough. And that's what I missed the most from last year's defense. Not ju- not necessarily the plays as much as the energy that that it breathes into that defense after you make the play. You know, that's what I miss. I miss, you know, guys jumping around and and Jalen running and doing his little bowling thing or whatever it is that he does. And and Leighton Van Der Esch just started howling like a, a a wolf or a coyote. I don't know what in the world he is. I don't know if they've got wolves up there and, and you know, from where he's from. Maybe they do. Whatever it is, he's howling. I want to see that more. I want to see guys swarming to them after they make a play. And and the the intensity and the enthusiasm, you know, just shooting through the roof every time you guys get involved. That's what they brought late last year. That's what we didn't see a ton in the Rams game. And that's what we haven't seen a ton to this point in the season. Um, you know, I, I'll quickly touch on Sean Lee. Uh, obviously when you're an instinctual player and you move to a position where you have to basically recalibrate yourself to, uh, to everything you've been used to, you're used to flowing to the football at the position he's always played. Now you're used to the play coming to you more often than not. And you're used to trying to force it to other people position yourself to make the running back, to make a decision. Either you come towards me. Or you go back to all the help. Um, he hasn't looked overly active. He, the most he's ever looked active is when he stepped in for Leighton Vanderish into his old familiar role. And I got to give him credit. He he gutted it out. And and even though you know he's not necessarily the same player in open space, and he never was a terrific player in open space, just based on his gifts. You know, Sean Lee's always been one that's found a way. He's always been resourceful. You know, but now that the gifts that he did have have even tailored back a little bit. You know, it's it's even light, less likely that he's going to make that play out in space. But you know what? He once again he found ways to do it. But outside of that, you know, we just haven't noticed him a ton. And and the 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 strong side linebacker in your base package only plays it so often. You know, he's only on the field so often. But um, but the truth is, you know, we just haven't necessarily seen him uh, be that player that kind of helps you know, helps the situation against the run, forces plays back to to guys that, you know, that that have the opportunity. And 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 once again, there are times he he I, I think he does put himself in a good position, but then again, the guys inside didn't necessarily hold up the way they were supposed to. And now you've got offensive line on the second level and now there's run lanes that are up the middle. So it's it's kind of a you know it, it the front seven when you talk about especially stuff in the run you know, it's a, it's a seven man, sometimes even an eight man effort, you know? Uh, so, so we just haven't seen much from Sean Lee. Um, I do give him credit when his number was called to step into late Van Der Esch's role. He did it, uh, as did Joe Thomas, you know, talk to me about Joe Thomas and, and man, this is a guy that, you know, you just won on your football team. He's one of the guys 
And and we've got a few of them that we're going to talk about throughout this episode that you look at him and say, man, that's just a guy I want to figure out a way to keep him around. You know, what What do you think about Joe Thomas there, Ken? Uh, yeah, I like Joe Thomas a lot. And the, the reason here's the reason why I like Joe Thomas so much. And, you know, compared to somebody like like Sean Lee, Sean Lee, he, at this point in his career, he seems like a guy that he needs he needs rhythm, you know, to kind of get going. Like, we, you know, with when Leighton got hurt, we saw it last week. When Sean got some snaps under him, we saw him start to kind of figure it out, start to make some plays, float to the ball, make tackles, but he needed continuous snaps. Other games where you just plugged him in for a series or a couple plays, he didn't look good. The reason why I like Joe Thomas is it doesn't seem like he needs the rhythm. I mean, you just plug the guy in and he starts making plays, and that's what I love about him. That's what you need in your depth because you never know when Jalen Smith or Leighton Vanderush, it might not be a a series where they where they need a break. It could be a it could be a second down where one of them goes down and they need to come out for a play. Now all of a sudden, you know, a third and eight or or even you know even a running down. All of a sudden, you got to come in and be ready to play. And and that's what I like about Joe Thomas is because he just seems like when you throw him into the mix, no matter the situation, the scenario, how many snaps he had the last game, that game, or the series before, he's just always ready to play some football. And that's what I love about him. Yeah, you know, and I couldn't agree more as far as the, this is just, he, he is, man. He's, you know, Brian Broaddus really, I think, hit the nail on the head when he described him uh, at some point last week when he says, you know what, this guy plays like he's pissed off that he doesn't play more. And he blames the other team for it. <laughs> he, he he gets out on the field and he takes it out on them as opposed to getting down on himself, getting down on his coaching staff, you know, that's not playing him as many reps as he'd like, you know, and, and that's what you want in a reserve. That's, you know, you love that. Once again, it, it, there's an intensity that, it, that, that you have to have to have that to play with that kind of mindset. And, you know, that's the same intensity I love about Jalen Smith, the same intensity I love about Leighton Vanderesh. This guy fits on this team as a backup linebacker, someone that plays special teams that can give Jalen Smith a, a series off, can give Leighton Vanderesh a series off, can even step in at the Sam and give, you know, who are, you know, Sean Lee a, a series off. I just absolutely I, I I love the way he plays. And you're right. Sean Lee, I do think he needs rhythm. I do think he needs to be out there seeing things to kind of finally get into his groove. I don't think Joe Thomas needs rhythm. I think he just needs to see the football and and he snaps into action. You know, all of a sudden it's 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 just a sense of desperation that you know what I got to get there. I got to get there. You know, so I I love that about Joe Thomas. You know, he he he's a guy that I don't know. You know, with with all the big contracts we've still got to hand out. Um, I don't know if there's a way you can, you know, you can justify, you know, spending the extra money to keep a backup linebacker, knowing that a, a rookie free agent or a a, a third a day three draft pick could uh, would be, you know, much much more cost effective. And I just, but in the same sense, man, you you just love a guy like that on your football team, and you know, I, I I'd still like to see more of Luke Gifford. I know. Uh, Lillard March, you know, and, and now it's just March, but, uh, but you know, I, I, he's a very solid football player, but man, I, I just, I want Luke Gifford on this field. I want him, even if it's special teams, something where he can get the opportunity to show this coaching staff what he can do so we can maybe find a role for him as well. Uh, you know, I, I know he missed early on because of the, um, because of the, the ankle sprain, but but man, I'd I'd really like to see them. He he's only dressed for one game, and that was the New York Jets game. Uh, and he really didn't play much on the defense, more special teams. I'd really like to see uh Luke Gifford uh down the second half of the season, you know, get 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 some some active games, you know, get some games where, hey, we're gonna play you over Justin March, or maybe bring bring all of you. I mean, it's not always a good idea to bring six linebackers. But but if you can find a way to do it that way, Gifford gets his opportunities where we can we can see how he looks out there at game speed. I'd really like to see that. And we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this secondary, um, and we're going to get into you know what we've been thrilled about, what we're not necessarily thrilled about. We'll talk about all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. 
And we are back here on the Big D Town. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined by Ken Cunningham. Coach Ty couldn't be with us today, um, but hopefully the three of us are all going to get together um, to start next week, and we're going to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this trade deadline and some players that that we hoped the Cowboys might have shown some interest in, and what it might have taken, you know, to to get a player like that here in Dallas. Uh, obviously, we've had the Michael Bennett trade, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that in depth in our next episode. But for now, Ken and I are talking about this Cowboys defense and and the expectations coming into the season, and and whether or not certain players have lived up to them, and and we're moving on to the secondary. And I'm going to lead off this one, Ken, because Byron Jones has been Byron Jones. You know, it's funny because we talked about Demarcus Lawrence and how he didn't get a preseason and how maybe that was part of the reason he got off to such a slow start. Byron Jones did not get off to a slow start. Byron Jones has looked pretty darn good throughout this season to the point where some teams haven't even tested him. Now, I know Cheetos had some struggles across from him a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, even in this last game against Philly, you know, early on, they tried Alshon Jeffrey down the sideline. He bats it away. And yes, that's the play that Xavier Woods lowered his head on Jeffrey and got the penalty. But but it was a brilliant play by Jones. It was a play that that I think basically, you know, told Philadelphia, hey, guys, if you're going to exploit a one-on-one matchup, it better not be with 31 involved. And... You know, this is a guy that yeah, he's done everything that that we could have asked him to do for a guy that that was coming off, a, uh, you know, an injury in the offseason and wasn't and like I say, didn't get a preseason, didn't get a training camp. He's done everything we could have expected of him. Uh, he hurt his hamstring, you know, and had to come out of the, uh, you know, the Jets game just to turn around and, and make it back by Philly and 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 play well. I tell you, this is a guy I wish the Cowboys, because there is a lot of negotiating going on, I think, with Dak and what that price tag's going to be. I mean, right now, I don't think anybody knows what that price tag's going to be for Dak. But you know Dak loves it here. I almost wish the Cowboys would slightly take advantage of that and say, you know what, we're going to force your hand, Dak. We're going to sign Byron Jones right now. And then we're going to look at you and we're going to say, okay, we've still got to get you an Amari signed. Here's how much pie's left, bud. And here's probably what it's going to take to get Amari in. And, you know, and I know that's, you know, that's not exactly what you, that's not exactly good business ethics. But, but in the same sense, you look at a Dak Prescott and you say, bud, this is how much space we've got. You don't have to mention Amari Cooper's name. This is how much space we got left now that we've signed Byron Jones, who is one of the best, one of the top, I'd say 10 corners in football. Here's how much pie's left. How much do you want? Because what's left might determine whether or not we can sign anybody else. And by anybody else, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And I just don't know if Dak Prescott would be willing to, well, wait a minute. Do do I want to let Amari Cooper walk away? Because he's been another one that's lived up. I wish they would do that with Byron, though. Hey, bud, you've earned your money. As long as it's reasonable. Now, if you want to get into the, you know, negotiating game and 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 want to, okay, no, no, I I want to be the highest paid quarter. I want to be this. If you want to push that, then by all means, different strategy. But if Byron Jones wants to stay here and he wants to do it at not necessarily a reasonable price, but a price that doesn't absolutely cripple us with what we want to do with some of our other free agents. If I'm the Cowboys, man, I make that happen. I I, I sign him up. Now moving on. Let's talk about Cheeto Bayouzier a little bit, Ken. Uh, you know, this is another guy we we thought was was ready to have a breakout. Um, looked confident in the training camp. Looked confident in the preseason games. And dang it, he he gets out there, and we're still ha- got a player that's having a tough time getting his head turns and locating the football. It's a little bit frustrating to me, Ken. Uh, you know. What have you seen from Cheeto? And he's had some good reps this season too, but there was a time where we were even questioning whether or not he might be that guy that teams just pick on. I mean, what do you see? And that, that was the Miami Dolphins game when we were talking about that. I mean, the Miami Dolphins, though, probably the the worst team in football if, you know, maybe you could throw Cincinnati into that conversation, but they were picking on Cheeto Bayouzier. 
So what what are you seeing from Cheeto, and 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 where do you hope it goes from here? Yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating because, like you said, it seems like he is the guy that's getting picked on, and he hasn't been terrible, but a lot of the you know. Out of all the corners, he's the one who's look who's looked the worst. I mean, it hasn't been Anthony Brown who's been getting picked on. You know, when Jordan Lewis has got his snaps, it certainly hasn't been him. You just talked about Byron Jones, Byron Jones how he's shot and shutting down half a field, and you know, Cheeto, he's the guy. And you know, the turning the heads thing, and what frustrates me more is it almost seems like, you know, they ask some of these coaches about that, and they're not even so much mad that he's not turning his head. It's the fact that he's not really reading i don't know if it's the body language of the receiver if it's the receiver's eyes and he's just not getting his hands in the right spot either and the ball's just dropping right in there i mean it's got to be one or the other but i mean at a at a certain point i mean something's got to change because it's not like it's once or twice i mean we're going back to last season where we've seen you know cheeto get beat on that same exact play where he's right in the receiver's face right up on him and that ball just falls right in there and, you know, his back's to the, you know, to the quarterback. And, you know, it's something's got to change with that. Absolutely. And you know what, guys, I, I'll say this much. In college, you've got different coaches that, that like different things. Some of them like them to play the man. They don't necessarily like them to play the ball. Hey, man, you know, unless, you know, you have got your eyes you know, toward the f- the field of play already, and we've got you b- covering back, then you go play the ball. But if if you're in a situation in man-to-man where your back's to the field, we want you to play the person. We don't want you to play the ball. There are coaches that say that. Here's why I don't buy that with Cheeto Bayouzier. This guy is an exceptional athlete. This guy's got the feet to put himself in great position. That's when you play the the, the man and not the ball is when you're not in good position and you're playing catch-up. But when you've got the feet to put yourself in good position, and Cheeto puts himself in good position plenty of times, you know, that's when Cheeto, I I need you to get that head around, bud. There shouldn't be five, you, you shouldn't get five or six steps. Once you get in that receiver's hip pocket on a deep route, there shouldn't be five or six steps before you're turning your head to locate a football. If they if if an NFL team thinks that a team that they can run a 25-yard comeback or a 25-yard dig route or something like that, then by all means, you know what? Good for them. Good luck blocking Demarcus Lawrence and 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 Robert Quinn and anybody else for that kind of time that it takes for a guy like that to get down that field and end up making a that, that far downfield and make a break. It just doesn't happen. Now, I get it. Yes, you turn your head. Sometimes you can lose a receiver if the quarterback's broken contain. Guess what? When a quarterback breaks a con- breaks contain, that's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, yes, it, when, you, when you turn your head and you realize he's broken contain, you got to refine that receiver and you got to try and get to him. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's where you look at, at the guys up front and say, hey, guys, you know. <laughs> I did my job up until the point that I realized that y'all hadn't done yours. And then, you know, by that point, I was having to play catch up all over again. But he's got the athleticism to do this. I, I, we just, I, 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 it's just, it's frustrating. It really is because he should be a much better player than what we've seen, period. And I'm going to touch on Anthony Brown real quick. You know, Anthony Brown, I think he's regressed a little bit this season. I see a guy that's uh, maybe not playing with as much confidence. And you know, the funny thing is, I've always thought Anthony Brown was more confident on the outside. I've always felt he was more confident on the perimeter than he was in the slot. And, and you know, it's funny because he played in the slot a lot last year, but I thought more of his better reps were on the perimeter when he had to play out there. Um. I, I just I, I don't know if he's got the same amount of short area quickness that a Jordan Lewis does. For everybody who wants to say, oh, well, you know, that's the thing. Chris Richard, he wants his corners to be long and, and blah, 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 long arms, physical. Guys, this is the slot we're talking about. This isn't the perimeter. I, I can't imagine that, that, that those same rules apply on the interior where you're not expecting receivers to run the same amount of routes, the same route tree as the outside. Short area quickness is the key to stopping the slot. 
you know, and, and so, and, and, and to that point, Jordan Lewis is better at it than Anthony Brown. And we've seen Anthony Brown get beat a few times this year, you know, in situations like that. Washington comes to mind where, where Quinn, you know, took him, uh, to, uh, to task a few times, but, uh, but overall, I just I feel like Anthony Brown just n- not quite uh, the same player that we saw last year, confidence wise um, or technique wise. But l- on the other side of that, I think Jordan Lewis has. I think Jordan Lewis has taken advantage of the opportunities when he's gotten in the ball game. Uh, he's caught the football. <laughs> that's that's a start. But but I thought he's played very well. What do you what have you seen from Jordan Lewis there, Ken? Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been pounding the table for a long time to get this guy uh, get this guy some snaps. Now it took it took an injury to get him in there, and he he hasn't he hasn't disappointed. I mean, the guy just he he line he lines up and and he makes plays. And I I can't seem to figure out for the life of me why why they can't get him on the field more. I mean, the whole. The whole, you know, Coach Richard and his size and linebackers thing. I mean, yeah, I get it, but Anthony Brown and Cheeto aren't the biggest guys in the world either. And it just seems like every time Jordan Lewis is on the field, I mean, he makes plays. And let's not forget, I mean, he was a, I think he was a third round pick, but without without those those legal issues that he had, he was probably going a lot higher. I mean, he was a darn good cornerback in college, and what we've seen in the NFL, he's. He's been a pretty good cornerback there also, and, you know, they got to find a way to get this guy on the field. I'll say this much to you, sir. There were there were mock drafts I did during that season where I had Jordan Lewis going at the very end of the first round. Now, I also thought Cheeto Beowuzier was a late first-round pick as well, but there were times where I had Jordan Lewis as a consideration as a late first-round pick, similar to the grade that I gave uh, – Jason Verrett, who was a quarterback, a corner for the Chargers for years, fit best in the slot, could never stay healthy, um, still can't to this point. I, I He's not with the Chargers anymore. I, I can't remember who he's with now. I know he hasn't been able to stay healthy even on that team. I do know that. But but the bottom line is, yes, he is extremely talented. And if if here's here's what gets me. With the way he's played – I just, and even the way he played in training camp, I, you, you know, once again, you can't justify it to me it, 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 that it's the size. Because if that's the issue, then why is he on this football team? This is a guy we could get a, a fourth, maybe even a third round pick for, at least a fourth round pick, I would assume, based on the way he played in training camp, based on the way he's played when he's gotten opportunities this year. We could get a fourth-round pick for him. You could swap him for a corner that does fit the way you want to play. There's a lot of teams out there with corners that do have the better size. I, I just, at some point or another, you got to throw the, you know, you got to throw the the tape measure out, and you just got to say, okay, who's playing best? Get on the field, and and that's Jordan Lewis. That's Jordan Lewis. Uh, like I said, I, I said this back with, in the Philadelphia game. I said, I wanted to see Jordan Lewis go out there, take advantage of this, and then, and and I don't really want him to walk up to Chris Richard and say, try taking me off the field now. But that's the message I want communicated. I want Jordan Lewis's play to do the talking that looks at Chris Richard and says, try taking me off the field now. In the Philly game, I think he did it. At other times this season, I think he's done it. Um, Very impressed with him. Would like to see him play a lot more. Um, moving on to safety, Xavier Woods, you know, Ken, this is another one I think, uh, falls on the disappointing side of things. Um, because we've, hey, you know, and this goes all the way back to last year. We could have, we, there were people that talked about, could we have gone out and traded a pick for Earl Thomas? Could we have gone out in the off season and signed him? Um, you know, th- there was a lot of talk about that. And could we draft a safety? Now, it's funny. There were a lot of safeties that went in the top two and a half rounds or so. The ones that were available for us in the second round, guys like Juan Thornhill, guys like Nasir Adderley, would have been a much better fit at the free safety position. 
And we passed on those guys just the same as we pass on an opportunity for Earl Thomas because we kept hearing the same thing. Xavier Woods is a guy that we think really is going to take a step forward. Well, I'm here to tell you he has not taken all that big a step forward in fact, up until this Philadelphia game, I would have said that he's he's been a disappointment. Do you feel like that, Ken? Are we in the same boat there? Yeah, and and that, and that's the reason because we were kind of expecting him to, you know, take that that next step, be that be that ball hawk, always around the ball, forcing turnovers, you know, you know, being like that, you know, Earl Thomas. You know, you don't want to compare him to Earl Thomas, but being closer to that type of safety. You know, he's still a young player, and we were expecting, you know, I mean, we even saw flashes of that in preseason, and, you know, we were just wanting that next step from him, and that was really the, the turnovers, and we just haven't seen it yet. I mean, I don't want to harp on the guy too much because he hasn't, he hasn't been bad. I just haven't seen, I haven't seen improvement. I've seen more of what I saw last year from him, which is, you know, a good safety, but not taking that step towards a great safety. And I'll say this much too, Xavier Woods, one of the biggest things that, that one of his biggest positives coming out of Louisiana Tech was this was a guy that was instinctual and always seemed to be around the ball. And that's just something I haven't seen as much from him. Yes, he's he's I, he's in our top three or four players in tackles, I'm pretty sure. But third, yeah. Yeah, yeah third. Uh, but in the same sense, I mean... You know, he's a lot of that hasn't necessarily had to do with with his instincts as much as it's had to do with the play in front of him. So, you know, I just once again, you know, that's a guy I, and, and and I really hope that 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 he takes this Philly game and he runs with it and we see a different player uh, down these last nine games. Uh, it gives you hope, but in the same sense, wasn't happy with those first six games from Xavier Woods. And I know he was injured for one of them, but um, wasn't necessarily thrilled about that. Um, do we need to talk about Jeff Heath? Oh God. I mean, he's, he's been Jeff Heath. He's been Jeff Heath. Uh, not necessarily great in coverage, a solid player against the run. Uh, you know, there's definitely been some flashes that this guy, Hey, when he sees it, he, he plays it like a linebacker. And that's what Jeff Heath is folks. That's what he's always been. He's a linebacker. That's not big enough to play linebacker with, with a, a good enough speed to to be able to play safety but at the end of the day you know he's a special teamer when he sees the ball he runs to the ball he hits the ball um Jeff Heath has been Jeff Heath I mean I, I that's about the best thing you could say about him is he's been Jeff Heath um one player I have been impressed with and you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna double up on this Darian Thompson and CJ Goodwin were two guys that you know, throughout training camp, I you, we kept looking at all the the exciting names. We kept looking at the 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 Mike Jacksons, the Lumbas, the Westries, and we kept thinking to ourselves, man, we got some young guys. We want to see them, you know, get get an opportunity. We want to hope that that we hit on some of these, you know, and and that Chris Richard can work some of that magic that you know that that he worked in Seattle at times with guys that hey, you know, everybody remembers the 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 Richard Shermans, the Earl Thomases, the Cam Chancellors. Not a lot of guys remember. There's been a lot of corners that have had success in Seattle that Chris Richards had his his hands on. Guys like Brandon Browner that have gone other places and just just been terrible. I mean, th th there have been quite a few guys like that during the Chris Richard you know time in Seattle, and you hope that hey that we find some of those guys like like I say Mike Jackson, Chris Westry, Donovan Alumba. You hope that that those guys can kind of turn into something for you. So you get you get disappointed when a, a C.J. Goodwin as a special teamer's, you know, probably got the fifth job, uh, fifth corner spot sold up. And you get a little disappointed when a Darian Thompson, who's the veteran that can step in into either position and do the job, you know, when those guys, you know, stick around. But let me say this much. Darian Thompson did more than just his job when Xavier Woods went down for that game. He... Looked a little bit more confident at times, and I've seen Xavier Woods look during the, in this scheme. And I have to say, I you know I I, I changed my mind in that game. And for CJ Goodwin, if you guys early in the season on special teams, my goodness, this guy it seemed like every time there wasn't a ball fair caught, it was this guy getting up from making a tackle. 
You know, every time they tried to return one, this was the guy that was responsible for getting them to the ground. You know, I, I have to backtrack on those statements, just like I backtracked on my statements on Jameez Olawalie, that, you know what, I am actually pretty thrilled that those particular players are on this team. Those are the kinds of guys, if you don't have, a, you know, a project that you really think highly of, those are the kinds of guys you want making up the end of your roster, and they are both doing a heck of a job. You know, and 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 we'll close out with this, and I'm going to swing this one your way. Haven't seen much of Donovan Wilson. Obviously, he got injured late in training camp. Um, you know, it seemed like I've seen him dress at least once, I know. I'd have to go back and check how many times he's been active, but certainly haven't seen him much on the defense. Uh, you know, th- this was a guy in, in training camp that created some turnovers. And yes, it wasn't necessarily against starters, but... He's also a guy that, once again, he plays with that intensity that 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 we want from from Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. He plays with that same kind of intensity. That's a guy you just want him on the field for you. You know, um, are you a little disappointed, Ken, that we haven't gotten a chance to see Wilson at some point or another? I mean, it doesn't take all that much to 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 take J- Jeff Heath off on the passing downs for a drive. And give a guy like this. Now, now I will say this. Rhythm, if rhythm is important for, for linebackers, it's damn important for secondary players. I mean, guys, listen to national broadcasts of any football game ever. A starting corner goes down, that's the first thing they see. Boy, on this first pass, they got oh so-and-so, so-and-so here on this side, man, who's stepping in, hadn't played yet today. I'm, I'm testing him right away. You hear it all the time. Rhythm in the secondary is huge. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't like to see Donovan Wilson get his opportunities. See if the, if 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 that effort, that intensity he plays with, can translate. Do you feel that way, Ken? Yeah, and and here's the reason why I feel that way is because you look at a player like Jeff Heath, and you mentioned, you know, how he's pretty good in the run game, not not the greatest guy, you know, in coverage, but you know, for the most part, he's kind of been that guy that you know, you know, you talk about the old bend but don't break defense and Jeff Heath was kind of like the definition of that but you know we saw a play against the Jets where Jeff Heath led up a 95 yard touchdown and that just can't happen that's un- unacceptable and when I see stuff like that where Jeff Heath's letting plays like that happen that's where I'm starting to look to to give another guy a chance because the whole reason why I think Dallas kind of you know lets a guy Jeff Heath stay in there it's because of stuff like that that he doesn't let up. He won't break like that in coverage. He doesn't let the mental breakdowns happen. And we saw that play against the Jets. So, you know, if if we if we start seeing more stuff like that happen with a guy like Jeff Heath, I mean, you know, they were pretty high high on the on this guy in the draft. And, you know, we saw some pretty good stuff out of him in preseason. You know, I think it's time you gotta you gotta work this guy into the defense just to at least see what you got. You know, make sure that you know you gotta get the best player on the field. Now, if you put Donovan Wilson out there and he doesn't look great, and you think that Jeff he's the best safety by all means, leave him out there and let him play. But I mean, I can't I can't imagine that at this point without with with not without seeing Donovan Wilson out on that field that you can make that decision right now. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you know it, it's tough. And 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 you obviously we know how much they think they trust Jeff Heath, um, and maybe they do. Maybe 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 the 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 trust they have in Jeff Heath has nothing to do with him, and has everything to do with the players behind him. Hey guys, we just trust Donovan Wilson right now less than we trust Jeff Heath. We're not out there in practice. We're not. We don't get an opportunity to see you know all, all the things that these coaches see. But man, I just uh, you know. Short of Jeff Heath getting injured, I just wish they could find a way to get, you know, Donovan Wilson on the field, get him some reps and, and let's see what he could do. You know, let's, let's, let's see what he can do. You know, that's, I I'd really like that. And, you know, as we come to a close here with our roster breakdown, you know, that's, that's something I hope that we saw a lot of, because you know, if, if you listen to what, what Jason Garrett likes to do in his bye weeks ever since he's been here in Dallas, Bye weeks are very, very critical time for young players with him. This is when he is going to test them most. And usually teams only practice a couple times during the bye. Um, you know, but but 
Jason Garrett likes to get these young guys out there, and and this is kind of like okay, uh, you know, let's let's see what you absorbed time, you know, and this is you know the time where guys like Luke Gifford, like Donovan Wilson, like Tony Pollard, you know, this is where those guys are going to come out and show, hey, you know, and and by the way. It is not just limited to them. This is limited to players on the practice squad. It's limited to anybody who hasn't been getting a ton of reps. Hey, what have you absorbed? You know, who's been chomping at the bit to get an opportunity? And because you don't get as much practice time and certainly don't get as much play time, we haven't had a chance to see it. Who in their head is ready, both mentally and physically, to be a part of a winning effort for this football team? And let's reevaluate how to get him on the field a little bit more. Maybe it's Brandon Knight. Maybe Brandon Knight, you know, maybe maybe he shows something and, and the Cowboys, you know, get him some work over at the left guard position. And Connor Williams has been good, but he hasn't necessarily been consistent. There, he still gives up problems on power sometimes, you know. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that that we should replace Connor Williams with Brandon Knight because I like – you know, I, I like Connor Williams, what he brings to this offensive line in open space as a blocker. But doesn't mean that you can't practice Brandon Knight at that backup left tackles or left guard spot. Doesn't mean we can't get an idea of, okay, we know how physical you are. We know how nasty you are. You know, how, how do you do in open space? How do you do on the interior, which is where they moved him to, you know, in training camp? How do you, how do you do, you know? Passing along stunts left and right, because that's one thing for a guard that, you know, guess what? As a tackle, <laughs> there's only one way that, that I'm passing off a stunt. You know, that's going to be to the inside. If a guy, you know, if, the, if there's not somebody looping around or anything like that, then, then, then I know I've only got one person to communicate on that with. Guards sometimes, you know, can be tricky that way. Might have, you know, you might have two players involved in a twist stunt, and all of a sudden, you're not only having to pass one along to somebody, but you're having to pick one up from the next, from the guy on your other side. So, but that's the thing get them in the practice, get them, you know, get them some opportunities this week to go out and show, you know, what they can do and, uh, and, 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 you know, evaluate it. Hey, maybe we do need to get a guy like that some opportunities. Maybe we need to get a guy like Dalton Schultz some more opportunities, you know? It, it, there's a lot of young players on this roster and the Cowboys for the most part have done a good job with young players. Who's going to be this year's Michael Gallup? Who's going to be this year's Blake Jarwin that, that comes down, down the uh, stretch. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in our next episode too. We're going to talk about the trade deadline and some players we thought we might want to see. We're also going to talk about, you know, some young players that we think might be primed to kind of open up and uh, and get a bigger role or have an ending to the season the way Michael Gallup or Connor Williams or Blake Jarwin did for the Cowboys last year. But for now, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, and be sure and join us next time when we discuss all that. And don't forget to visit us over on pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Don't forget, guys, uh, you know, you can go find all our stuff uh, for the Dallas Cowboys over at Pigskin Nut. And remember... Pigskin Nut is the football news that you've been missing. Also, if you like what you hear, be sure and subscribe to us. We're available on a variety of platforms. You can find the Big D Beatdown in the Apple and Google Podcast stores, as well as on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Podbeam. Click the subscribe button, and they'll notify you every time we put out an episode. Also, be sure and search us on uh, social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at, at Big D Beatdown. We're always, you know, looking for conversations with some of the uh, some of the listeners on that show. We, uh, we like to get some of these uh, listener questions uh, brought onto the show. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Big D Beatdown. Also, you can also find us at Pigskin Nut on a lot of these platforms. If you search Pigskin Nut or at Pigskin Nut over on Twitter, you know, you're going to find us. We're going to be uh, interacting with people there. Be sure and uh, spread the word of the Big D Beatdown. And for Ken Cunningham, I'm Austin Smith. Have a good one, Cowboy fans.